Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Mark Smith and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. Gernot Bronzert and Sebastian Zari first met in primary school in the early 80s. More than 30 years later, they live only walking distance from each other. This closeness is central to their success as Mode Selector, one of the most popular and original acts to emerge from the Berlin techno underground. Their knack for balancing mass appeal with underground credibility has been key to their success, and their last two decades have been a blur of crossover albums, global tours, cult labels, and high-profile collaborations. Earlier this week, Bronzert and Zari swung by RA's Berlin office to discuss all of the above, their new album, Who Else?, and what it's like to be back on the road as Mode Selector after seven years away. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The exchange with Mode Selector is up next. So yeah, in terms of the scale of touring, I mean, what's so different about it being with a band? I mean, when we were in the age of like 25, we toured the whole year and we played around 130, 160 shows every year. And that's not possible anymore because we have too much other stuff to do. We have so many projects, children and stuff like this. So it's... um, totally different. When I discovered FIAC almost 10 years ago, it's already almost 10 now, it's not, it's eight years ago, seven years. It was, it was in 2014. 14. So, so we released the first, oh man, you, you see, when you are touring so much, you totally mess up the time. So you don't see how, 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 how fast time passes by or how slow. Anyway, so when we when when we discovered them for the first time, so when we signed them for Fifty Weapons back then, and um, when we met them, they li- they were living in one little apartment in one room, and they were exactly like us when we were their age, and they do now the same we did ten years, fifteen years ago. So they play and play and play and play, and now. Wh- I, I, I don't know when we when we play a show now it's different now it's like a kind of like theater visual artists and light artists and us and so we try to cre- create a yeah piece I feel like um I went to see your show at Halle and Berghain that was um, a weird one yeah how I, come it was so early and it was it was at nine and it was still um we are you know when you make a tour when you start doing a tour, like you make a you make a new record, and then the tour starts, you play several shows to get warm to to rehearsal. So it make, doesn't make really too much sense to rehearsal the whole show again and again for yourself in a rented place. So you have to play like at least ten or fifteen shows to get into it, 
And when we played at uh, in Berlin, we were still changing the set lists and switching and adding new stuff. So it was still pretty much in the progress. Yeah, and both Berghain shows they were also different. Uh, the um, I don't know what what Berghain show you have. Uh, I went to the one on the Monday. Okay, the second. Yeah. And yeah, that was different to the first one because on the first one we had uh, um, Catnap as a guest, um, also another uh, support. And then we changed. Uh, Catnap was, was doing I think Catnap came yeah, out. Yeah, and for the second show we had um, Dance System. And um, yeah, we made a little thing different. And also the, 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 the audience was different. Really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Because it was um, Fire Tag, you know, uh, Bank Holiday on the Friday. So I guess people. I, th were more I, th I think the, the Friday show was the first one we announced and it got sold out pretty quick. So I think all the hardcore fans were on there on the Friday. And, and when we added the, the another date, the other date, um, I don't know, some of the people came twice, but uh, <laughs> it was, I don't know. I think, I think for, for me, it was. A very interesting experience because I like the room pretty much. The room is beautiful, mm. and um, but we had this um, sound issue, so we had to start early. It was just because of the noise that we had to stop at at least ten thirty no, or ten. We had to stop at ten. So I mean, you know, it's not like the cool slot, but it was like uh, hello, here we are. That's what we do now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought one of the nicest moments was the tribute to Keith Flint of the Prodigy. Who had, oh, um, yeah, that was who, sad. It was very sad. Yeah, he died that week. And it was um, interesting because I went with my girlfriend and she's not super familiar with your music, but she was there and actually she just turned to me during the show and said, oh, this kind of reminds me a bit of the Prodigy. And then like two minutes later, you did the whole Prodigy tribute. And mm. I was like, oh, yeah. So, I mean, what did, um, what did the Prodigy and Keith Flint mean to you? Oh man, I mean the prodigy, they're like heroes. They were like superheroes for me. I saw, I, I, I mean, I saw many bands in my life and many concerts, and I got scared during a concert twice in my life. One of them was Slipknot, and I saw Slipknot on the festival. I really shit my pants because I really had to escape from the from the pit because I was just like trying to play the cool guy in the middle of a of the dance floor like in the of the field and i got super scared because it was so much violence in in the air and i had the same with prodigy when i think they played at lowlands or pukle pop mm -hmm. i don't remember exactly but it's eight years ago i'm not bad with numbers it's a while ago and they came on stage and they had a like five minutes intro war sirens mm -hmm. you know yeah they did that for like couple of minutes like in super loud and um, I was just standing there and waiting and I saw how the energy was um, growing in the crowd and they the people started like screaming like many people started screaming without even hear, hearing a tone from the music and when they came on stage it was just like a explosion Yeah. And I really, I was really, I was impressed so much that I really couldn't, like, I really couldn't believe <laughs> how how much energy they can generate with only their music. And it was not easy to concentrate because, uh, you know, Gernot was talking about uh, the, the, the long intro. It's like heating up a fire yeah. and then 
in the end you have an explosion yeah. i think they started with firestarter <laughs> and I, it's not just keith you know it's the whole thing you know it's like the for me they were like the pop version of the klf a little bit so just a little bit kind of like this corner of my little music world but um i i i remember the first records on xl i bought you know charlie and stuff like this and then they started get, having hits with other space and then they they became superstars and they were they really gave a fuck you know I, they were like really our idols in terms of um, being an electronic music band and um, when he died for like when was it it's it's already a couple of months ago mm -hmm. uh, i was really in shock about that because it's like you know several things when several things happen like um prince is dying or it's you know s some stuff which is not supposed to happen you know so that reminds you that nothing is forever and things are changing and stuff so i think it's a, it's one of the worst things could happen to me that Keith Flint dies or it's you know or for example imagine Hardwax is will close yeah just 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 the idea to think about that can destroy my whole day you know so it so but you know it remembers you nothing is forever nothing is forever and similar situation a few years ago uh, Mark Bell of LFO when he died was like oh. we, we arrived and uh, we met him in, in Iceland and I think one month later he he had his was it was it is a disease or a, uh, no, operation he died, he died during a surgery I think yeah and yeah. it was a I don't know yeah. not not necessary yeah. um it's interesting you talk about being scared because I think uh everyone especially in the UK of a certain age, I'm kind of 30, I would have been six when Firestarter came out, roughly, five or six. And you just remember hearing that, uh, seeing that video on top of the pops, like the Firestarter thing, and just being like, you know, this is well scary. And I think they had to take it off the TV because parents... That was the one... Um, it's just when he's in the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's okay. wearing the kind mm -hmm. of like, kind of stars. But and this Make My Bitch Up clip was more weird. Yeah, that was so more weird. So I think that was also one of the first bands who made like really popular, weird, scary shit, you know? I mean, that was the same time when Come to Daddy came out, you know? Mm -hmm. When I remember seeing the, the Come to Daddy clip the first time of my life. So that was kind of like this. That was when electronic music was scary. Now it's not too scary anymore. But um, but back then it was kind of like a... I, I liked the, the, this, this kind of language, you know? You know, you obviously have experienced the kind of uh, band thing with Moderat. You know, if Mod Selector was to have a couple of kind of huge hits, like, you know, prodigy level hits and the, the band was to grow even bigger. I mean, is that something you'd like? Would you like kind of to become a bigger act or are you happy also having that kind of one foot in the underground and doing the more DIY and thing? It's like this is this is what we talked uh, about in, on, on our way to this interview today. And um, we talked about how to combine your nerd projects with um, the bigger projects, the more popular ones. And um, that's a very interesting question. And it's also a very interesting time. You know, in these days, everything changes so much in the music industry even more, you know, since um, like the discussion is really cooking right now 
since Beatport announced the streaming service as well. And, you know, we are running record labels at the same time. And, you know, we, we really like underground music. We always did. But we have also um, another side. So this combining these two things is is sometimes a big challenge because um, you can lose a lot of money and a lot of um, what you lose most is when you um, invest a lot of power and energy in projects and um, the payback of it or the attention of it, it's not worth it, you know. So when I grew up in um, in Berlin in the electronic music scene, so when I, when I um, left my parents' house, I... I started working at Hardwax Records and um I my 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 heroes back then were when guys like Aerosmith and Soundtech and DJ Pete you know when I was little that this is for me all the nerd genre you know this is nerd music this is music you have to work for to know about you know and 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 I think um this was back then a very small field a little bit too small And um, now you have festivals like Atonal who present music like this more and more, you know, like more experimental stuff. And um, for for example, um, I've, I just found out last week that, that Rose is Zutek. I didn't know that Zutek and Rose, the techno artist, is the same person. And so you have still people from the old days playing more experimental game. And uh, so... I think um, it's a very interesting progression and in, 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 yeah, time right now for like experimental music more than it was 15 years ago, maybe. So you have more younger people or more interested in this. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But this, are, this, is, this is how it feels. You are totally right, Gernot. And um, when you see it as a scale, you know, like a measuring, today you don't have that simple thing. Techno, house, hip hop, it's drum so <laughs> drum and bass. It's so um, fine, kind of fluid. Yeah, it's fluid. It's it's yeah. There's no no borders in between. You you have a lot of cross cro crossover points, and so that 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 makes not easy to put it in genre. And you have to. I think the modern te technologies or modern technologies the the technologies everyone is using it's yeah it's easy to find it's also you have a lot of um surprising moments so ah look here i, I found an artist he never released and uh, i mean releasing a record is a little bit it's old school yeah. but we we love records where we uh, real vinyl but um for the next generation it's um they, the the way to discover music it's uh, it's amazing you have every Every, the white cosm, but you have to go into a deep, looking into the sky at telescope. night. So and then telescope, yeah. exactly, and then so ah, I found a star I have never seen before. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. You have um, so much more music at your disposal, and there's everything, and you can you know listen to anything ever recorded. But you still have to work hard to find Absolutely. the stuff. Just there like was you no did in resident the 90s. advisor back then. There was no. I mean, there was one. But it was small, and it was not like it was not like an information database, it or a big block like today, and it was all niche. Mm -hmm. it was a little bit like metal, you know. 
So you had your a few fanzines and stuff. But we were like always very interested in electronic experimental music, but we we wanted to bring it into more listenable and more danceable fields. That was we liked the sounds, we liked noise we liked noise. It was When I saw Mick Harris the first time in my life, aka Scorn, um, he's releasing now music, luckily, uh, on Long Island. Is it Lies? Is it? Yeah, is it, yeah, he releases music on Lies Records, but he, he like Mick Harris, used to be the drummer of Napalm Death. And he, um, when I saw him the first time as Scorn performing, that was the first time that I really enjoyed pain in my ears. Because it had to be like this. So I destroyed my hearing already when I was 21 years old. And it was just because I really enjoyed the moment. And then seeing these people still doing almost the same stuff. And they're still impressing, you know. I mean, techno is like is it, or electronic music or especially music which is based on noise, you know. Sure. Like techno is doesn't have to be sequenced synthesizer techno. You know, I mean, the techno we all like and we all like to dance to is music where you don't know where the sound is from, you know. So we are sharing studio with Marcel Detman and he never um, plays a note. He looks for the most ugly sounding <laughs> noise and looks for the best bits of it and makes a track out of it. That's it. And um, this is how Chet is doing music. This is like, mm -hmm. this is... Um, Kind of like a little bit music, which is influenced by industrial, the idea of industrial music. And um, this is what we both loved pretty much. So we like different genres of music, but we try to bring it together. And this is this is actually how we make music. So I like the new Popcorn single pretty much, but I also like um, some weird electronic stuff that I'm listening to at the moment. Nasty noise, whatever. Yeah, and sometimes you discover things. Last week I went to the ballet at Staatsoper, and there was a three-part piece. First was music by Tchaikovsky, second by Tom Willems. It's a Netherlands uh, um, a componist, and last one was Alvanoto. And um, the second one, the music was like, what is this? So never heard before. It's was from 1989, and uh, then they changed it in 1992. S sounds a little bit G general MIDI sounds, but a little bit futur uh, futuristic. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, it was nothing to 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 uh, you know. There was no no definition for me at the moment. It was fascinating. So and um, when we make music, it's like we don't take. We, we don't take the sound like it is. We put a lot of energy to change it. It's to, to, to transform it. So to have a result in the end, you can't reconstruct. You know, you don't. That, that's the aim. Sure. Yeah. So in the 90s, you're listening to all sorts of different stuff, but you kind of, you know, you had the very nerdy, kind of saying noise techno, but you also wanted to do something that was kind of a bit more accessible. I guess you bring in elements of hip hop and stuff. I mean, where does that kind of, where does that begin? Where does that come from? I think um, when we saw the first time Framers Manuals, you know them? No. So that was a big table with 10 guys and 12 laptops probably. From and Austria. from Austria, they released music on Migo and Fat Cat and stuff. And they, they, they that was like seeing 
bunch of guys having a internet conference and making making like the biggest noise and that we liked the noise but we never liked the performance so when we started playing the live shows long time ago we always used um, two laptops and um, the Maximus P patch and two MIDI controller and a mixer and a few effects and we n always really had to take care that we are not being this type of um, email checking laptop artists. So we tried to do everything to not look like this. So we added visuals to the whole thing and we used MIDI controller and on one day we got rid of the laptops and we had only the controllers and the laptops are under the table or on the side of the stage. Because the way to perform electronic music with software is for us the is our way to perform. So we were never hardware guys on stage. So we have all our friends are using all these MIDI machines, but we grew up with MIDI. And when I, I mean, I, I the first time I programmed the 808 was when I was 17 years old and I, I was really done with it. So I'm happy that I have now other opportunities. So in the studio, I just have the stuff there because of the sound and the... Actually, in terms of being nerdy, we have some friends who start producing music with Atari again, just to 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 arrange the tracks like 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Just it's just for the vibe, you know. Mm. And that that that's that's so that's nerdy shit. That's really nerdy, and I really appreciate that. So I I like it when people want to keep their studios flow fresh. It's a little bit driving a car from the 70s, from the early 70s, you know, when you, you start it, you put the engine on, you have to regulate uh, the choke and, and waiting if it is warm and then uh, so and then you can drive. It's but, really... But not the new, but not the new hardware. It's divided, yeah, the electronic nerd scene is divided in two parts. It's, it's in some of them want to make the people dance and some of them are like diving deep into the sound and probably make also the people dance but on a different way on a, we we when we grew up in berlin there you know in berlin you had a lot of different camps like musically camps and we were part of no, we were we weren't part of one of them but we knew them all and we played with them on their parties and together we released music from artists from this camp we played on the party so Back in the days, it was pretty much divided, and now it's kind of like it's pretty pretty different now in Berlin. You know, so you have this big club in the middle, yeah, which is kind of like the eye of the um, storm, <laughs> yeah. And then um, this this like 20 years or 15 years ago, you had like at least three of cl three clubs in this size with this impact, so you had more various music and scenes and stuff like this. So. Was it um, tribal back then? You had like, you know, the people that are into this music, the people that are into that music, the people, or, the, or was it kind of fluid? Everyone, the people, or it were was, you... It was fluid, but it was the DJs were following, ach, the, 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 the people were following the DJs pretty much. So you had like fans. So you had sure. fans of DJ Woody, you had fans of DJ Alan Alien, you had fans of Tarnit. So these DJ superhero thing was back in the days had more impact so 
yeah, some of them are still there. Yeah. So Ellen Alien is still touring and um, she's maybe the hardest working person I know. And she's still holding the flag up and looking good and releasing albums and playing parties. And she's like, she's like, a, she's like a machine. So you guys were keen kind of not to do a straight house and techno thing or a straight techno thing. I mean, there were always people who were better, you know. I mean, when you know sound tech, you are not willing to make a house record. For which, for what reason? <laughs> so he made already the best shit, you know. So we were always looking to, to, to make something different to the others, you know. And that was not the nerdy side. So we tried to combine everything. I mean, did you know other people in your circle that were doing a similar thing to you that were that were taking influences from so many places or did it feel like something that no, no one else was doing? Mm, I mean, we know, of course, a lot of musicians. Most of our friends are musicians. and um, But I think we, we were a little bit um, too much um, into some hip-hop than uh, other electronic music producer would ever try to do. So... For us, it was always about the tunes, yeah? So I found out about the Neptunes when I worked at Hardwax because, like, everyone working in the store was so much into, like, Neptunes and Timberland productions. Okay, right. But I didn't know, but they sold Access records and Downwards records, <laughs> but they were listening to Killies and shit, you know? So it was that, that was, for me, the first time um, that my imaginary bubble popped about techno also, when I met Mike Banks for the first time and we talked two hours about cars and not about Final Frontier or 909. So it was only about cars and dragster race and stuff. So that was also, you know, for me, for me was techno or still is the, it's, it's like watching Game of Thrones. You know, I really, I'm really into stuff and in, into this music. I, I, uh, this is, this is my life. I love this shit, you know, I mean, you ask what what music I was listening to recently. I really like the new uh, Karen record. Oh yeah, nice. Salz. Yeah, that's my favorite track. I mean, if I, if I would play this to my mom, she wouldn't understand, you know. But it's it's about the details and stuff, and yeah, it's good. Yeah, you have that inspiring moment, you know. Still, it's still, and th I think that's that's the most important thing to ha to have inspiration. You you have all the tools. All the tools are open. You can do it with a little synthesizer. You can do it with a really nice software or with the lower version. Or you can do it online or you can record with your mobile device mm -hmm. and then cut it and making sounds of it. So it's, it's, everything is open. And the inspiration for us, uh, it's still very important. You know, you go into a record store and listen to uh, contemporary hip-hop beats and then you think, oh, that beat, how can you bring it into the, another context? So that's the, that's the, that's the idea. Well, this is it. I think it's just about being open-minded. I think you guys throughout your careers have always been very open-minded, very open to... Yeah, I think this is so important. For example, when all these uh, gender discussion started yeah about um female artists getting not 
enough credit and respect in a scene and stuff like this. I was really surprised because I thought it's over. We are over it already. So I I wasn't really um, um, expecting that discussion. And um, and there is a problem, obviously. And um, but it was just because we grew up always surrounded by strong women, you know. So one of our first supporters was Ellen Ehen and Miss Kitten. And these two women, they they were like they're like their boss woman, you know. So we we so we had we never had this we never had this in mind. And this and the same is it's the same with with electronic music. So we were we are always super open minded, and there was we have no no go areas, you know. I mean, Volksmusik maybe not, <laughs> but. Um, Especially German and Austrian Volksmusik, maybe not. So if you want to discover it, Google Volksmusik, it's a nightmare. But this is a no-go area. But I mean... But, but there are a few good samples in that. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> no, not joking. even one. <laughs> but, you know, it's like we like metal, you know, and we, we like everything. It's about music and um, it's about the ideal... You know, for example, Shari told you it's not it's not the gear you use; it's the idea, and it it is it is true. I mean, I can't you cannot you cannot go and say ah yeah you you have a modular system and you record nothing with your modular system. You make some atonal music with it or whatever. This is not right because it's about the idea. You can you you can make music with an iPhone uh, or you can music with a twenty four square foot size modular system you know when you press record it's just about the idea and how you use it it's still the skills you know and i think when hip-hop beats for example mpc jay dilla school you hear the skills and you see and you hear the ideas you know so it's in the end it's all about the ideas and yeah that makes it not very easy yeah. sometimes but i mean it's also about staying humble you know because you're You know, many years into a successful career, you could just, for this album, you could have just locked yourselves away and be like, you know, we've been touring, we know the score, let's make another Mode Selector album. But instead you started DJing for a year and a half because you felt out of touch with club culture and you wanted to get to know what people were listening to. You know, you felt, I mean, you can explain it yourselves, but... Yeah, I mean, touring as a DJ for one and a half years was a very interesting experience because we are not kind of like professional DJs like Marcel, for example, our studio mate. He's like playing 12 times a month and he's doing this every weekend. And for us, it, I mean, for, for me especially, it got very boring after a while. And it's still the same. Like I, when, I, when I remember when I was little, it's still the same. Bass out, bass in, hi-hat, you. And a good DJ is a good DJ and a good tune is a good tune. So it was not enough for us and we wanted to create again and um, we felt a little bit out of touch but we saw really good parties we had really really good parties but we also played on festivals or parties where to, uh, to where we had different uh, experiences and uh, we saw and heard or experienced stuff we didn't really appreciate it and um, but it was not too much but I saw that the idea of techno during the um, generations didn't change too much because every generation says our generation is the most craziest one. 
and we take the weirdest drugs and we made the weirdest sex and we have the <laughs> strangest outfits and we stay more awake than you never than you ever will but i heard that many times and i think yeah it's repeating it's repeating sure so i mean in terms of the new album how did you approach it i mean it's uh it's short which seemed like a kind of interesting message yeah and i mean how did you decide on who to get involved and how did it come together how we start so about the shortness um the first draft for the album had about 12 tracks so and uh You know, when you're making music and you make a bounce and then you put it into a playlist and then you feel, okay, cool. And then after listen, listening 5,000 times, <laughs> it feels like it's too much. Yes, we skip this song. I take this song or this track as a, a, a leftover or as a bonus. Or, and then in the end, we had eight tracks and then so, wow. For physical pro product, it's a single LP. That's great. <laughs> so, sounds easy, but um, I wish to love to change the per perspective into a human being, to a listener uh, who never heard about Mode Selector before. That's uh, maybe I need, uh, do I need some drugs or some? Uh, I don't know. It's a. Uh, There's, yeah. on, there's only one kind of deeper track on it. It's called WMF Love Song, WMF Love Song, which is a homage on one of the clubs in Berlin we grew up with. But um, I think we just needed to make uh, this record after Moderat because Moderat was, oh, all the songs were like full of details mm. and deep and they had all this big gestures, you know, and pathos. And so we had to make something really clear, something you can barely grab, like a comic, you know, like yeah. a Disney comic book. Like you open it and you know what you have, you know. And this is what we wanted to make with this new record. And, mm -hmm. you know, I like the fact that it's short because I know a lot of good punk records who are very short because you cannot stand it longer. <laughs> But the tracks are good and you love it and it's just right, you know. And we, I think that this, this is part of the concept that we wanted to make a kind of like message. Actually, we are working on a mixtape right now because we thought, okay, 34 minutes, it's not, it's not long enough. And we have, Shari told you, so much leftover material and so much beats who are not finished. You know, in the hip-hop scene, you have mixtapes or grime or, yeah, all these broken stuff. You have these kind of like album mixtape thing going on. It's not like a DJ mix, but it's a, it's 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 like an album with unreleased stuff uh, in 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 as a in, in mix format. So this is what we do right now. Kind of this is what because we have so much stuff there we didn't use and we wanted to use on one point, but we hadn't couldn't because of the album because it is like it is so this is what we do right now and um this will contain a lot of more music because when you mix it you can just show it for like one and a half minutes two minutes that's why i like zombie for example mm -hmm. zombies tracks are very short they start they end they have no breaks <laughs> so it's just about the tune you know or uh, he, should, he should he should mix them Yeah, of course. Or well, you know, going. I don't want to go back, but the residents. You know, the residents. Uh, they made an album in the 80s. Uh, it's called a commercial album. It's. Uh, I think 
20 tracks on, on the album, but only the essential intro, first verse, uh, chorus, the end. About, about one minute each song. It's just a draft to show, okay, that's so that could be commercial music. But for the mixtape, uh, we, uh, we, we there, there's so much really nice leftovers, and we uh, it's time to show. Sure, <laughs> does this uh, does this stuff make it into the live show? extras i hope so i mean we will we work on um some stuff you know the the actual live show was like um, a presentation of the new album yeah. with some old stuff because we did once uh, the mistake to play only new tracks which doesn't work obviously so so you have to play you have to play the old stuff too of course but um i hope so that there 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 will be um some uh stuff of it ending in the live show i think of of course how do you feel about playing old records live you mean or yeah i mean just kind of listening to them again how do you feel about those records from 2007 so some some of the tracks of our older tracks when we we play just a bunch of them and but if we play for example um some uh yeah more mode selector cliche banging stuff then um, I'm still surprised that it still uh, works and that's what the people <laughs> wait for all the time. And um, yeah, this is kind of like a, a um, paradoxon for me. Yeah, I think you guys are in an interesting kind of gray area where people could go to your show, not know your music at all, have a great time, rave, but there are also big fans there who do want to hear the hits and you guys kind of need to sit in there and like, you know, work out who you're going to please and da da da. It's a little bit confused all the time, but I like it. It's the, this is, I mean, you know, you don't have to explain everything, you know, and techno or experience of, of a techno moment doesn't need to be explained by anybody because it's a sub, it's, it's your, it's your own thing, you know, it's a subject. And, um, I think we, we both, uh, grew up together. We know each other since, phew, primary school and um yeah i didn't i never did anything else you know when i was um buying my first turntables from money i made was really hard work on the weekends and I, i had these two turntables in my room and the the walls were full of posters and flyers from parties and stuff i was just staying there like i was a little kid and playing um strict strictly rhythm records uh, and was imagining that i'm playing in front of like many people and that came true you know and then on some point i wanted to make a live concert like a electronic band and it came true and now we were we were on a point okay what's the next thing what should come true and um so and this is kind of like a re retrospective moment for us so The Who Else record itself is um, the whole design is um, uh, is a kind of like a homage on the like IDM graphic designers, like Designers Republic and stuff like this. So we only used Typo in the way we would use it in the 90s or in the early 2000s, you know. And um, that was the that was the idea to make it a little bit retro, but also um, advanced at the same time it's the same with the music because you cannot make new techno music that's impossible you can make fresh techno music but not new techno music 
yeah, this is what we tried. And um, we have the collaborations on the album. The first track on the album, um, One United Power, is a collaboration with Lorenzo Senni. So we made this track with him together. And um, the, then we found Flo Hayo through um, funny ways. I, I know the booker of Skepta and I talked to the booker and asked him, how realistic is it to make a track with Skepta? And she said, hmm... I have a better option for you. <laughs> so I mean I at least I tried, you know. So and then we and then we um yeah we um met Flo Hayo and she is a super talented, nice person and we made a track with her and we recorded several more which are maybe ending up on the mixtape because we haven't used them for the album. The same with Tommy Cash. We have um few recordings with him laying on a hard drive. And same with um, Otto von Schirach. He came OVS. Uh, he came again to Berlin um, for Europe tour, and he spent uh, also one about one week together with us. the The plan was totally different. The plan was to make uh, sound design, but it ended up on a microphone. So, <laughs> but we also made sound design. We learned a lot about a special software synthesizer, and um, yeah, with each artist we had about one or two weeks quality time so for the recording session and we we recorded i think we spent two weeks with fiak in the studio but smoking weed man i don't smoke weed <laughs> myself but if you are with them in the studio you have to because you can't you can't escape so i mean we have an air condition in the studio but it didn't help too much so i was very quick stoned without smoking just being in a room with them was enough And there were still three at this time, so they were like constantly smoking, and all this, all their cliche and all their uh, bullshit they do on the internet—it's true. <laughs> so, I I wait how long they will do it like this. So let's see. There was no plan to link back up with Tom York for this record. Actually, we asked him, but he was super busy finishing his stuff, and we just. Actually, when I was talking about it with him, I was, while talking to him, I found out that's not a good idea this time. Mm -hmm. So we both, um, I was just asking myself why and for what. And um, you just have to feel it, you know. And um, so when we made the music with him back then for the last album, it was uh, like a super excitement in the air. So he came to Berlin, we went to party and... We recorded the music in the studio together. We created the stuff together. And um, this time, a lot of stuff happened on both sides. On, and it was not just the right time to do it. Exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I just wanted to mention, you know, he, uh, well, you said that he said that you're the reason that he started DJing and got into electronic music, which is a pretty amazing, uh, I mean, of all the things you've kind of achieved, that's quite a mad, mad one. Yeah, I mean... When we played the first time in Manchester in our life, it was on a scam party, scam the record label. They made parties and they booked us and we played there. And the same day we played in Manchester for the first time outside of Germany, by the way, Radiohead came to our studio and we're knocking the door and our friends were opening the door and they died because they were just in front of Radiohead. <laughs> And that was just bad timing for us. So I was in Manchester for the first time, super excited, playing 
eine Scam-Party and I was just IDM-King back then, so Scam was the shit. And then um, I was really in a conflict because um, yeah, Radiohead was in Berlin at the same time. Bad timing. So and they just they turn up your studio hoping to Yeah, because we had our studio right next door to the to the label B pitch control and they went to the office visiting the office and they wanted to see us and say hello. And that was the time when um they uh, talked about us in interviews and stuff and that was I didn't even had um Radiohead on my schedule then. Yeah, mm. but that was when they released Kit A. They're, for me, one of their best records. Sure, definitely. Yeah. You mentioned w WMF Club there. Um, I personally hadn't heard of it before. Do you want to kind of just paint the picture of what the club was like? Where was it? The energy? The concept of WMF Club was like uh, to use contemporary empty spaces. So um, the situation, I think the first club was in two. Uh, 1991 or 1992 in a very small basement or something uh, really fucked up building so every the most of the buildings were not renovated or still destroyed uh, after second world war um, mostly in the east part the west part of berlin is totally different developed you have another um, architecture and uh, um, uh, structure it sometimes it reminds a little bit on brussels so Anyway, um, WMF, the, uh, the government of Berlin, they were uh, still very open. They gave them that places before they were grabbed by uh, real estate or renovated or deconstructed. And um, so for about two years, every club was about for two years in, in that. How many, how many WMF clubs? Many. Seven? Yeah. So, and I don't know. But it was the spot. So you had Ewerk back then, yeah. Tresor, and WMF. So what period are we talking when you guys were? End of 90s, 99, 98, 99. That was the time we made, or earlier, we went to, yeah. so there was every Saturday um, audio-video audio disco with an unknown DJ called DJ Dixon opening up every night. So he started, he played the first four hours. And he was the first house DJ I saw who was um, pitching down the tempo a little bit after each mix. And I thought, this guy's the coolest. <laughs> Because, you know, usually the DJs make it faster and make it louder. And he was always like pitching it back a little bit. Just not too, yeah. And um, this is how we grew up. I think it was mid-90s, 96, 95. That was the first WMFs that was. And we went always to see audio-video disco. Um, it was Dixon and Media Prince, and sometimes they had guests. And you heard also that the, the concept you have a Friday and you have a Saturday, sometimes a Thursday. Um, later, the Sonar Collective guys um, uh, and us. Yeah. It, we, it, we, it, we had always the Thursday. Yeah. So well, monthly. Yeah. Yeah, not every Thursday, so it changed uh, so that you have every uh, second or every third Thursday uh, another um, uh, night. So, Yeah, and WMF was um, known for very good sound all the time. They had really good sound systems. They had m different taste and uh, they were kind of like, it always felt a little bit more grown up going there. 
but that was super underground. And Shari told you that was an old, yeah, old buildings, like really dirty old ruins. And but the the crazy thing is they had always really good interior designer, and they turned the club inside. So like the buildings looked from the outside really shit, but inside it was a different world. So super stylish. They had like old retro wooden walls everywhere and it was super stylish and it was state of the art. And so it was also not easy to get in. So it was kind of like the same door policy like Berkheim has today. So you had to like never go with all your mates, bring always bunch of girls, <laughs> stuff like, like classic, you know? Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, so it was, um, that was um, a really um, good way of yeah clubbing because it was about the music, but also about the vibe of the whole place. And it was deep and not too um, cheesy musically. And it was always, um, I, I constantly had the feeling I don't know this record. I don't know this record. What record is this? I don't know this record. And this, this, I, I didn't have that in other clubs. You know, when you when you went to Tresor, you, you, it was sure that they played some Red Planet records. You have for sure and stuff like this. So it was always you Tresor is Tresor, Ewerk is Ewerk. Depends on the DJ. But WMF was his, its own world. It was a very Berlin. It was the first very Berlin thing, which was a little bit. Newer, it was generation two of the clubs. It was it was a playground, definitely a playground for to combine and to 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 yeah, to connect to show the the um, eclectic the eclectic Berlin. You mean a playground as an artist, or in terms of the crowd, or the whole thing, kind of? Yeah, for artists and also the crowd. That's the reason why the uh, the crowd or the audience uh, hey, uh, thought, let's go to the WMF because you really don't know what. Uh, no. Yeah, they had happen. also a nice um, cocktail culture. So they they had always a good bar, a very good bar with good drinks. And um, when you were inside, it was the coolest thing ever. You've been in this club, and um, the music was always not too um, easy for the people sometimes, but it was no one, I mean, the, the the impact the whole situation had inside the club was stronger than um, having a strong opinion about the music from when you, when you came in. Sometimes it was like really strange stuff. I saw Pansonic at WMF playing one a whole night was like almost violating everyone because it was so much bass and mm. but it was still kind of like glam you know or killer sound sound system from japan they uh, brought her uh, their uh, sound system to that was that was the killer sound connection and they played on a friday at wmf okay. japanese dance hall uh, with uh, jamaican uh, vocal artists and it was really uh, never heard before that was so massive wow <laughs> <laughs> So they brought kind of fresh sounds. Always. There was not just like um, booking all the known artists. It was all about, not all about, but it was also about um, bringing new people. For example, when Nathan Fake started touring, he played WMF first time in Berlin. Yeah. and But you had also masters at work. Many, 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 many. The Friday was always drum and bass. It was um, 
a crew called Hard Edged. Mm. And they split it up and opened up their own place called Watergate. You might heard of it. <laughs> and um, yeah, then there were the, the, the other drum and bass crew called Exponents. Yeah, then you had several camps, as I told you. You had like Weekend Club, you had all the gay parties, 90 Grad, WMF, GayMF. You know the party, GayMF? No. And that was the Sundays at the WMF. They turned the club into GayMF. In terms of the atmosphere inside, was it was it loose and lawless? You know, just anything goes. Like, you can just, yeah. you, know, you can do whatever you like. Yeah, you, exactly. It was, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you had a lot of arty people. You had a lot of people looking for sex, of course. and um, But it was also a lot about dancing and the sound and... Of course, weird stuff ha happened everywhere. But this place was um, the place where we grew up. We went there as a guest first and we ended up as residents. And, but it took years. It was just years. And then when the club closed down, the people who were running the place decided not to run another club. Because it's super exhausting when you build a club and you have it only for two or three years and then you move again and again. So there was a lot of idealism included and on some point it was over and um, I think the, the, the track WMF Love Song on our album shows pretty much exactly the vibe of this place I mean are you surprised that um, Berlin clubs still have that same atmosphere that still same loose vibe that you can still go partying and feel free and do whatever you want And because I mean you know I come from London and it's a completely different thing like You know, London is for, had for me always. You had, actually the first place we played in London was Plastic People. When we when we played the first time ever in London, it was Plastic People, and we thought, okay, this is London. But we found out very quick it's not, <laughs> because Plastic People was the coolest place in London, with the best sound, and it was small and cozy and good music, and it had a different approach. And when we got booked again and again in London, we found out that it's more like an industry and um, in Berlin it's also an industry but they hide it more and um, I like to go out in Berlin because of the people because you have so many different people all the time here when we went back when, when I remember back in the days at WMF club it were always the same people and I still see them on the streets sometimes and I remember oh my god <laughs> this girl i know her from back then and it's crazy I, yeah you know you have uh, almost four million people in that uh, city in berlin and then uh, <laughs> you just cross the street and then you see the people from yesterday so um. <laughs> 